Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. We are week four into our guardrail series. Well, the idea behind the guardrail is if you hit the rail, it will do less damage than if you hit what's on the other side of the guardrail. And if we ignore the guardrail, some of the things we talked and talking about in this series, we could live a life of regret. And as pastors, Chantal and I, we'd love to keep you from that if we could. And so the goal of uh, Jesus' words, the goal of this series is to point people away from danger towards safety. Now, I understand this has been a really difficult series. It's been difficult to prepare and to speak uh, at, but it's also been difficult to receive, and I understand that. And like someone came up to me after the first service, a really, really amazing lady in church, she said, I want you to know I don't, didn't agree with everything you said in the last service, but I want you to know that I am on a journey seeking to find the truth. And so today, there may be some things that I say, and you go, oh, I'm not sure about that. Don't leave the church. By the way, you can still be friends with someone just because you don't agree with everything they say. Okay, we live in a world now where if you don't agree with everything, you can't agree with anything. That's not true. Okay, so there could be some things we're going to kind of go, okay, love that bit, not so sure about that bit. Let's just be big people where we go. I'm going to go on a journey with this, see what God is saying about this, and see where we go. And so... Our series phrase is that this is our God book and this is our guidebook, the Bible. This is our God book. Why is it our God book? Because God's words are from start to finish. And this is our guide book because God wants to guide us into his grace and into his truth. Our series verse comes from Ephesians 5.15. It says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Who knows in these times we need to be very wise how we live. There are a lot of danger signs, there are a lot of things on the other side of those guardrails. I want to start today with a story. It was my 17th birthday and my friends took me to Newport, Wales for the weekend. Ben was the driver of the vehicle. In fact, his mum and dad are here. I've got to be, by the way, I've got to be very careful because what happened in Wales stays in Wales. Okay, but however, sometimes you just got to let a few things out of the back. And Ben was driving. It could have even been his father's car. I don't know. It was a, a burgundy Ford Sierra estate. Okay, there it is. Absolute little beauty. Okay, it was a classic. Anyone else have a, have a Sierra estate? I mean, they're proper cars. I mean, gone, you could have gone over the guardrails. You'd have been fine. That thing would have just driven off. And so I said to Ben on my boat, I said, Ben, we pulled up this camp. So I said, Ben, would you allow me to drive? This would be my first time I've ever driven. He said, of course, John, it's your birthday. And, uh, you know, we didn't think about any of the other things, insurance and all that. We just jumped in. Anyway, I went around the field and I did my thing. And I, I, I pulled back to Ben, got out of the car, And as I shut the door, the Ford Sierra Burgundy Edition started drifting on its own towards a ditch. 
Now, this was not a, a car that was ahead of its time. It wasn't an auto car, okay? Uh, this was a car that should have had a handbrake pulled on. But when you're 17 and you're so keen, you haven't been taught that there are such things as a handbrake. And so this car parked itself in a ditch. I didn't park it. It parked itself. I'm not sure what Ben said to the insurance company. Who was driving the vehicle? I mean, what do you say? No one. No one. It was driving itself. Park that story for one moment. We're going to focus on just one verse. One verse. And I'm going to give you a little bit of context, and we're all going to stand and read this verse together, because I think it's one of the most challenging scriptures in the whole of the Bible. And the, the writer of Hebrews was challenging a group of Christians. And this group of Christians had just recently converted from Judaism to Christianity. And they were being persecuted for their faith. In fact, some of them were even being threatened with death. So the writer of Hebrews, many people think that that was Paul, he writes to them to encourage them. And this is what he says. Let's stand and read it. We all stand and honor the word of God. And we're just going to read one verse and we'll get you parked down safely with your handbrake on in just a second. <laughs> Hebrews 2.1. Let's say it together. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Father, I pray that you'd bless your word, Father. I pray, Lord, as we tackle some very, very delicate issues today that you would give me wisdom, you would protect our church, Father, but you would lead us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Just like, you guys can grab your seats, just like the, don't forget to put your handbrake on. Just like the Burgundy Ford Sierra Estate, the writer is recognizing a lot of believers are drifting towards the edge. So he writes, to, he writes to them a very challenging letter. In chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, many of you read it before, it's about the Father's love, it's about His grace, it's about forgiveness. And so he sets up the letter with grace. Remember week 1, we talked about the guardrails of grace and truth. Not introducing truth until you have uh, given grace. And that's exactly what the writer did. But then in chapter 2, the very first verse, he pulls no punches and he pulls the trigger. And he says, we must pay some careful attention to what's going on around us. The things we have heard. Because I am seeing a lot of people, a lot of Christians, they are drifting from their faith. And he starts the chapter with the word we. Everyone say we. He does not say you, he does not say me, he does not say I, he says we. The writer is saying that we all have the potential to drift. It doesn't matter whether you are a young person, a student, whether you're a parent, whether you've been in church for 55 years, whether you've been in church for 55 minutes, every single person has the potential to drift from their faith and from their walk with Jesus. So I love the writer. He says, hey, I, I'm not making this about you. I'm saying I have the potential to. You know, as Chantal and I, we have the potential to drift. We have the potential. First, first day of Bible school, 2001. Chantal were both, and I were both in the classroom, and the dean of the college gets up, 
And in his opening address to the students, this is what he said. He said, 40% of you in 10 years won't be in church. Hang on. I thought we were coming to hear about the Bible. Now, what he's saying was, he says, every single person, if you're not careful, you will drift. And we are in a world right now where people are drifting. We are drifting. The fact of the matter was, he was actually right. People got hurt in college. People got hurt in church. People got hurt on staff. People lose hope. People got distracted. People suffer loss. And eventually, the enemy's plan is that we drift. We drift away from the truth. We drift away from church. We drift. And we are living in a world right now where people are literally drifting. We're all at sea. I want to speak a message for the next two hours and a half on catch my drift. If you're taking notes, the message is titled, Catch My Drift. Because I want you to catch what I'm about to speak. If you can catch this, we can actually help ourselves and we can help society. If we don't catch the drift here today, there is a potential that we could live a lifetime of regret. So I want us to talk about or remind ourselves of three things when it comes to drifting. Number one, drifting always begins without knowing. Drifting always begins without knowing. The writer says we must pay the most careful attention. When I got out of that car, it began to drift without me even knowing it was off. I didn't even know the car was drifting until it was too late. You're taking notes, here's a takeaway. First takeaway. Whenever we take our eyes off something, it will always drift. Whenever you take your eyes off something, it will always drift. Our kids have been pestering us for a dog for over two years. Our kids' godparents are Mark and Sharon. They're here on the front row. And they have a dog called Max. We call it our god dog, which basically means we don't have to have a dog because they have the dog. We just get all the good bits. And... um, a couple of weeks ago, our kids were patients for a dog, and that's little Max, okay? He's a little Westie, he's a, he, he's a fun little fella on, on our bed. Anyway, that's a different, for a different uh, series. Um, so Miracle and Justice were pestering us, saying, we want to see Max, we want to see Max. I said, well, why don't you go around Mark and Sharon's? We've, ne- we've got a dog lead for Max, we've got dog biscuits at home, we've got everything for a dog but a dog, okay? It's the best part of not having a dog. You can have the dog when you need the dog, all right? So we... The kids came back and they, they bring back Max and Max is loving it and they're feeding him all sorts of things which don't need to be discussed publicly but he's having a great time and he's tearing around the garden and after about 40 minutes I go and find Justice and I go and find I said, where's Max? And they looked at each other. I said, where is he? We don't know, Daddy. I said, well, you better go and find Max. You're not going to have a very awkward conversation with your godparents. So we went out into the garden, we ran into the field. There is no Max. They didn't even know this, by the way. This is all new to them. We won't be boring. <laughs> Max will probably not come back. <laughs> anyway, then we find Max in the back of our neighbor's garden doing his thing. Anyway, it's a long story. But whenever you take your eyes off something, it will always drift. All we have to do for our health to drift is Nothing. Nothing. Has anyone ever got on the scales and thought, the batteries are gone, or there's something wrong, we're going to send it in for a service. 
But why is our health drifted? Because we haven't done anything. All we have to do for our finances to drift is nothing. All we have to do for our marriages to drift is nothing. Nothing. All we have to do for our spiritual lives to drift is the same principle. Nothing. All we've got to do, stop reading our Bibles, stop talking to God, stop serving in church, stop attending church, stop tithing. All we have to do to drift is really easy. Young people, all you have to do to drift in life is simple. Nothing. Do you know one of the enemy's biggest plans for, for God's children? Nothing. He wants us to do nothing. Because when we are not in control, we drift. And drifting is actually our default. And the challenge with drift is problems rarely sort themselves out. You rarely drift back to where you should be. So suddenly we look back and we think, how on earth did I find myself here? Has anyone ever done that? I have many times. Like, how on earth am I here? And it's simply because of the writer of Hebrews, we drifted. Now, there is an old story about how to boil a frog. Now, I've never done it. I don't want to promote it in church, but I've got to tell you the story, okay? So if you love frogs, put your fingers in your ears, okay? You don't just put a frog in boiling water. If you drop a frog in boiling water, he'll jump out before he's injured. So what you do is you put a frog in perfectly normal cold water and he'll be peaceful and comfortable. Then you put him on the stove and little by little, the water gets warm. And it's very pleasant at first. In fact, it becomes like a jacuzzi. Starts to bubble. And then he begins to get a little bit alarmed. And when it's boiling, the frog says this, how did that happen? Now, you will think that's funny, but you know what? That's exactly what's happening to our world, exactly what's happening to people right now. Things are happening all around us. The world is bubbling, and we're saying, how did we get here? Because nobody just falls on the other side of a guardrail. Nobody ends up over the cliff. It's because you drift. It's because you drift. We're in a place right now where we're drifting. Think about COVID. Without even realizing, people drifted. People drifted from church. People drifted from community. People drifted. There's still people. They've left the church. And I meet them. And I say, what are you doing? Oh, I want to come back. But I keep getting invites to barbecues. And I keep getting invites to this, that, and the other. It's because they've drifted. And COVID caused the world to drift. And drifting is so so easy to see in somebody else, but so difficult to see in ourselves. You know, the most difficult part of, of my message isn't the prepping, isn't the praying, isn't even the preaching, isn't even when people walk out in the middle of it, even though that's interesting. The most difficult part of the message is this. Are you ready? Walking it out. Walking it out. The most difficult part of the message today, it will be hard to listen to at parts, but the most difficult part of the message will be putting into practice. Why? Making sure we don't drift from it. And drifting can happen to all of us. And so I, I sat down as I was putting this together on Friday and I thought, 
I want to write down some indicators in my own life when I know I'm drifting. Because it's good, you need to know when you're drifting. So I'm going to share with you five indicators when I know I'm drifting. But you might have your own indicators. But I think it's good to know when we're drifting. Because if you know you're drifting, you can make a decision and come back in. First, the first, the first indicator I'm spiritually drifting, um, and these are personal to me, but maybe they'll help you, is when I'm talking more about my problems to others than to God. I know I'm drifting. So if I have a tendency, if I'm speaking about my problems to everyone, not to God, I'm doing that more. By the way, we should talk to each other about our problems. We definitely should. That's, a, that's so important we share. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, though, to give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. God cares about every intricate detail, every single thing you're facing. The second no, uh, way I know that I'm spiritually drifting is when spending time with God becomes a duty and not a delight. It's because I should do it, not because I want to do it. We've all read our Bibles because we should read our Bibles, but actually God wants us to desire. It wants to be a delight to actually spend time. Imagine me spending time with Chantel. I'm just doing this because it's the right thing to do. I should do it. Well, she's going to feel that. But when I have that desire that I want to spend time with her, that's when my relationship grows with her and when I drift back towards her. Number three, when I'm... For me, again, these are personal for me, so please understand it. Number three, I drift when I'm running, not walking. When I'm running, not walking. When I'm going too fast. Why did the car crash into the guardrail? It wasn't because he was driving too slow. It was because he was driving too quick. I've got a fast pace. I like... I like to, to, to work hard. I like to get to the next thing. I like to... But my team are constantly saying, we need to slow down. We need, to, we need to apply the brakes at the right time. And there's time to apply the accelerator, but there's also the time to apply the brake. And if all you do is apply the accelerator in life and go, 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 eventually you're going to hit a guardrail. So when I'm going too quick, here's what happens. I lose control. But I love Jesus' words. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Notice he doesn't say run with me. He says walk with me. Pace it out with me. Work with me. That means we can work with him. We can take God to our workplaces. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and you'll learn to live lightly. The fourth way I know that I'm drifting is that I become a watcher, not a worshiper. A watcher, not a worshiper. Online church, let's be honest, so many of us, we became watchers, not worshipers. You know, even when we're in the room, you can be a watcher. During worship, we can, we can be looking around. I know I do it a lot. And who's in church today? Or, you know, some of you are like, oh, wow, you know, I love that jacket. Oh, my goodness. I love that person's jacket. As soon as the service, I'm going to dash over and find out where they got that jacket. I wonder if they do that in yellow. And then you're like, you know, a thousand hallelujahs. Oh, that jacket. That jacket. I want to get that jacket. And a thousand more. And we can be so distracted in our worship that we become watchers, not worshipers. Pastors John and Chantel aren't sitting together. Are they all right? Are they all right? Is it? And you're reading into everything, and he's on there, and she's on there, and... We can become watchers actually when we come into God's presence. David says this, he says, God, you are my God. 
earnestly, I want to seek after you. My whole being, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And you know, drifting isn't just happening in us. Drifting is happening around us. Drifting is happening around us. And without even realizing, we have drifted so far from godly values and God's word. I did some study this week, but I discovered that the majority of Europe's Christians now are non-practicing. I mean, what does that even mean? I'm a Christian, but I don't practice it. I mean, it's an irony. It doesn't make any sense. God has now been replaced in people's language by the two words, higher power. So people much rather talk about a higher power. I felt this higher power. And so we've diluted the Lord's name down to a higher power. I believe in something. I believe in some sort of higher power because people can't even embrace the fact that there just could be a God in heaven who loves them. 71% of young people now in the UK have no interest in God or faith, any faith. 71%. One in 10 young people in the UK now are confused about their gender and their sexuality. One in 10. 81% of our population are now pro-choice when it comes to abortion. Last year in our country, there were 215,000 aborted babies just in the UK. Around the world, millions. And you see, nobody suddenly decided to allow all these challenges and issues of our time into our culture. You know what happened? We just drifted there. We just drifted there. And so now we have a whole generation of Gen Z and late millennials who are not interested in truth, absolute truth. And it's not their fault because we allowed it in our generation. We stopped teaching the truth and the the result is they don't want to know truth. So we can't judge the generation. It's, ah, it's on us. It's on us. And whenever truth is removed, whenever biblical truth is removed from society, people drift and they will always create their own version of truth. So now we have a world whose everybody's got their own version of truth. So as pastors, pastors, and I'm gonna take some I'm gonna take some responsibility here. We opted for trendy over truth. Here's 20 ways to reach your dream. Here's a motivational message to get you through on Monday. Yet the world is drifting towards chaos. Because we opted for truth over trendy. Trendy over truth. And so then what happens is we now have a generation who are actually afraid of moral absolutes. They're afraid of them. And I don't blame them. But when it comes to oil spills, nuclear threats, insider trading, we have no issues with moral absolutes. But anything to do with sexuality is justified, sanctified, and glorified.
we were in a hotel in Cambridge a couple of weeks ago, Chantelle and I, and we had a, just a couple of nights away, and it was really refreshing because we opened the bedside table and we found a Bible in the bedside table. And I was fascinated because if you, if you were kind of my age and above, you'd, when you traveled, no matter where you are in the world, there was always a Bible in the bedside table. It was kind of a given. If you forgot your Bible, they did it, so you had a Bible. Why? Because they want to keep you on track, especially if you're traveling, especially when they want the Bible. So incredible organizations like Gideon's, they used to place Bibles in hotels. So then I, I, I looked up why, why hotel chains are dropping the Bible. It's really simple. They, they are scared of being canceled. So if they put a Bible in a hotel, they're scared of being canceled. They're, they're scared a political correctness of being cancelled. And this is the world we're living in now. So we are cancelling anything of biblical moral truth. Now, I'd be all about it if it worked. If our world was a better place, I'm like, let's, let's do anything to make it the world a better place. But it's not a better place. There is more confusion. There is more war. There are over 200 wars happening right now. I know we're focusing on the one that's in our backyard, but there are minor and major wars happening all over the world right now. There's never been more wars in history than right now. We've never had so much confusion on so many of these issues because drifting left alone always causes devastation. Always causes devastation. In our world, we're, we're waking up going, where on earth are we? What, what's happening? And Chantal and I, we want to say this, church, we love you too much to allow you to drift. We love our young people, our young adults, too much not to talk about things that could potentially harm them. The dumbest thing, the dumbest thing we could ever do when we're drifting is nothing. We've all done it in our finances, in our health, in any area of our life. When we do nothing, we continue to drift. So I want to challenge you with this question. What areas of your life are you drifting? What areas of your life? They're personal, by the way. I'm not going to share mine, and you're going to share yours. They're personal. I want you to go home and think, what areas of my life am I drifting? Because we're all drifting. The second thought I have when it comes to drift is this. Drifting continues when we fail to pay attention. Drifting continues. So it's not just enough to acknowledge you're drifting. You've actually got to pay attention to the areas of your life. That's what the writer says. He says, we must. It's not, you should have a think about it, a prayer about it. We must pay the most careful attention. 2018, I went to Israel with a group of friends and we went to the River Jordan, went to the beach. We'd done a lot of sightseeing and ministry, and then we went to the beach. And I said to this group of friends, I think there's a picture, it's going to come up on your screen. I said to the, the group of friends, I said, I'm going to swim from Israel, which is where you can see. We're around here. I'm going to swim from Israel to Jordan. I thought it's about three miles. Later, I found out it was nine. <laughs> and they all said, that's a terrible idea. First of all, you're going to have an international situation when you get to the other side and you realize you weren't swimming with a passport. That's the first one. Secondly, there's so much salt in that water. If you get that salt in your eye, you're going to be in big trouble. And thirdly, you ain't fit enough. That's the bit I'm like, I'm going to prove them wrong on. I'll talk my way out of the passport. I'll swim on my back and I'll, I'll make it. And I set off 
the sun was shining, incredible scenery. I'm like, I'm like the children of Israel. I'm just going to turn about it the other way. I'm just swimming across the Jordan. And little did I realize as I was swimming out on my back towards the Jordan, about half a mile out, I look up and I have drifted. And I have drifted. The current has taken me completely the wrong way. And I splashed. I panicked. I got salt in my eyes. And I was in agony. And for the first time in my life, my life flashed before me. Okay, has anyone had one of those moments? You go, is this the moment I'm going to see Jesus? Okay, face to face. I don't want to see him quite yet. I've got a little bit of work to do. And I became so preoccupied and lost my attention. Now, let me finish the story in a moment. Just, just hang on. But one of the challenges in life is this. We get so busy and we get so distracted, we just keep drifting. And we say things like, I'll get back to church one day. And we say things like, I'll pick up my Bible next week. I'll start the Bible course program at the end of the week. I'll start my diet tomorrow. And we get so caught up, we miss it. Divorce is not an event. It is a process. It's called drift. Debt is not one transaction that went wrong. It's a process. It's called drift. Addictions do not happen overnight. You do not get addicted to nicotine or cannabis or alcohol. You don't get addicted to any of these substances overnight. It is a process, and the process is called drift. And the devil is the king of keeping us so preoccupied and distracted, we never pay attention to how far we've drifted. And I was kicking on my back. I was reliving all my swimming lessons from middle school, thinking this is going to be a story to tell the grandkids. Little did I know that I was swimming towards a problem. You can get so busy in life. We can get so busy, can't we? The easiest things to give our kids is just give them the remote or give them the iPad because we're so busy and YouTube's raising our next generation. And then we wonder why their tone at home changes. Then we wonder why they're saying things or doing things. Where did you learn that from? You didn't learn that from me. They learned that from the thing we gave them so that they wouldn't distract us. And in culture, we had warning signs 10 years ago with the secular agendas in our schools and universities, yet we failed to pay attention because we were too busy. And so all of this humanistic thinking, all this secular agenda, all the challenges in our world right now have crept into the education system on our watch. So here's the question, and I'm asking myself, what areas of my life am I not paying attention? What areas of my life am I... This is, I know I said this would be a bit of a hard-hitting session, but we'll try and we'll pick it up from here, right? We'll, We'll hit some of these issues and then we'll come back. But what areas of my life am I not paying attention to drift? Could be with my children. Could be in my marriage. Could be in any areas of my life that things are drifting and I'm not paying enough attention. Now here's the good news. I, need, I think I need a keyboard. I need, some, I need some, something just to pick it up a little. You're all going very quiet. Are you all all right? Are we still friends? All right, stay with me. Number three, this is good, right? Drifting ends with a decision. Okay, begins 
without warning, continues without attention, but ends with a decision. Drifting can end today with a decision. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift. Wait for it. The word, the, the writer uses is away. What does away mean? Away means too far gone. I believe that nobody is past the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. No one is too far gone. We will not write off our city. We will not write off our schools. We will not write off this nation. It is not too far gone, but we have to make a decision. We have to catch the drift. Catch the drift. So as I lay on my back in the Jordan, unable to open my eyes and my life flashed before me, there was only one thing left. And it wasn't front crawl or the butterfly. My friend Jad was doing water sports close by and I screamed. And it wasn't just a, hi Jad, how are you? I wonder if you could just pop over here and help me and bring an inflatable and help me get back to safety in your own time. It was, Jad, help! It was a scream. And I think we've got to get back to a place where we say, God, we've drifted and we need to get society back. And God, we need your help. We cry out to you, God, for our students, for our children. We cry out to you for the education system, for government, for politics, for those children who have no voice. God, we cry out to you for help. In that moment, help arrived. And I got back to shore with my tail between my legs and, and I, said, I said, I'm sorry to the guys. Because reality is I didn't listen. You know, in life, if we could just listen, if we could just ask for good advice, nine miles in salty water to a foreign land without a passport. I mean, you're all sitting there going, you are, you're but the reality is we all do stupid things. We all do stupid things. But God's grace is always available. And God actually, God actually needs us to do one thing. God actually wants us. We always talk about taking a step forward, don't we? Got to move forward in life. But I think as a world, actually now, we need to take a step backwards. Sadly, our Prime Minister said on Friday after the, the abortion ruling changes in the US, he said, we've taken a big step backwards this week. And I found myself agreeing with him. I said, thank God we've gone backwards. Thank God we've gone, because we haven't gone backwards. We've actually gone forwards. Because we're actually standing on the edge. We actually need to go backwards in some of these areas. We actually need to have a voice for the millions of unborn babies who have no voice, who have no choice. So if it means we have to go backwards to go forwards, I say we go backwards. If backwards means going back to the Word of God, let's keep going backwards. If backwards means godly values in the schools, let's go backwards. If backwards means lives are saved 
I'm happy to keep going backwards. If backwards means young people finding their true identity in Christ, I'm happy to go backwards. I'm happy to keep going backwards. I think backwards should become the new forwards. Never has there been a more pivotal moment in history where we need to show and teach the love and the grace and the truth of Jesus. And I believe that it's going to take a monumental effort for drifting in society to change, but I'm not going to give up on it. I'm not going to give up on it. I meet so many Christians just saying, like, standing, standing you know, at the rapture bus stop, take me, Lord, I'm ready, while the world is dying around them and drifting away. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to do that. I want to keep speaking truth and grace in people's lives. And I believe if enough pastors and leaders and Christians stand up and we back each other, we have the courage to show love and grace. And I know some of the issues that we've talked about today are so deep and so complex. And I don't have the answers, but Jesus is the answer. Just keep pointing people to Jesus. But our decisions, young people, our decisions determine our direction. Our decisions determine our direction. It's not our intentions that determine direction. It's our decisions. Your intentions take you nowhere. It's your decisions. And as a church, I hope you feel it. We're turning a corner. Because we're deciding we want to keep bringing truth. You know, the more we're teaching truth, the doors are getting full. Because people are hungry for truth. People are hungry for God's grace and they're hungry for God's truth. We ain't going to bring a lopsided approach. We're going to keep bringing grace and keep bringing truth in this day and age. We don't have to just go with the cultural flow. We've got to choose truth over trendy. Everyone's getting drunk. Everyone's getting drunk at work. I'm going to go to the party. I'm going to be one of the lads. You don't have to be one of the lads. You can be different. You can be different. I've never been drunk in my life. And here's the thing. I've not missed out and I've saved a whole lot of money. Never had a hangover. Because I just keep walking and God keeps taking me into new doors and opening new things. Not because I'm better or worse than anyone. It's just because I made a decision. I'm not going to be one of the lads. Because all the lads now that I went to school with, their lives are challenged. Everyone's sleeping around. Everyone's sexting each other. You be the person saying, I'm not going to be that young person. I'm, going to, I'm not going to do those things. I'm not going to send naked images of myself to a stranger. Some of you are like, oh, they do that? They do do that. And those images get lost in space, then land in places that you don't want them to land. But I'm going to be different. You're not anyone. You've been bought with a price. You're a child of the king. You're a prince. You're a princess. You be different. You stand up. You stand out. We're not just going to accept the morals of what our education system tell our children. My son came back from school this week and says, Daddy, did I come from a monkey? That's what he said. Now, let me just clarify this. He sometimes acts like a monkey. I sat down and I said, Justice, you didn't come from a monkey. You were created by Almighty God. You were created in the image of God. Before you were even born, your heavenly Father knew you. You were knitted together in your mummy's womb. 
He looked at me and said, thank you, Daddy. Are we allowing the things that have been taught in school just to go into our kids without challenging it? And I said, Justice, I said, I give you permission. The next time they teach that in your school, you go to your teacher and say, can I be excused from class? I do not want that going in to my children. Anything that is contrary to the word of God, as a parent, I take my rightful place. I take a stand. I want the truth of God's word going into my children. The education system, do not raise my children. I raise them. They have godly values. They have our values. And so you've got to take a stand and say, enough is enough. It's not a time to be playing games. I'm passionate today because I'm, I'm mad at the enemy. I'm mad what he's driving into our young people and our children. I'm mad what he's driving into the church. I sat with a group of Christian leaders recently. We're talking about the book of Revelation and sadly they've narrowed down the book to a poetic dream. A poetic dream. It's gone from the inspired word of God to a poetic dream. I said to them, Jesus Christ is coming back and there is two destinations. There is heaven and there is hell. And they're like, <gasps> why, why do you think the right of Hebrews? He said, pay the most careful attention. We've got to listen to what's not being said as well as what is being said. And trendy teaching says that there are no absolutes, that all roads will eventually lead to Rome. That's not what the Bible says. All roads don't eventually lead to Rome. You can get to heaven. You can't get to heaven by being just a good person. And by the way, it's good to be a good person. You can't get to heaven just by being a good person. The Bible says, Whosoever believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The thief on the cross was not a good person. He was an evil man. But at the final moment, God's grace saved him. There's only one way to God. There's only one way to Jehovah. There's not five ways, four ways, three ways, two ways. There is only one way to God. How can you say that, John? Because Jesus said it. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and it leads to life. Notice Jesus says, he doesn't say, he doesn't say truth is a religion. It doesn't say it's a manual. It doesn't say it's a group of moral codes. He says, I am. Truth is a person. Jesus is true. And this is what separates Jesus from every other major religion. Other leaders have said, I'm looking for the truth. I'm teaching the truth. I point to the truth. I'm a prophet of truth. But Jesus says, no, he says, I am. I am the truth. We live in a world right, right now that cannot define truth anymore. We cannot define truth when it comes to creation. We cannot define truth when it comes to sexuality. We cannot define truth when it comes to gender. We cannot define truth when it comes to, to marriage. We cannot define truth anymore. So, so the devil says, go make your own truth. But Jesus says, as you go make your own truth, he says, you're diverting from the truth because I am the truth. Jesus is truth. Now, here's the challenge. You cannot find truth unless he is the way. Okay, come again. You cannot find truth in a world that is starving for truth. You cannot find truth 
unless he is the way. Why did the Burgundy Ford Sierra estate crash? Because no one was driving it. Why is our world crashing right now? Because no one is driving it. We've said, you can all be your own drivers. You create your own highway codes. You do what you want, when you want, how you want, and eventually you'll find it. Jesus says, no, he says, I, I, I am the way. If you want to find truth, you've got to put Jesus at the steering wheel. He's got to be the way and he will steer you. He will drive you. He'll stop you. He'll say, now's the time to keep going. Ho, ho. You'll say, I, I'm going to get involved with that relationship. He'll say, oh, just be careful. Just be careful here. And they say, I want to buy that house. Yeah, go and go buy that house. That's a great, that's a blessing. I want to move countries. God said, mm. Because when he is the way, he always leads us into truth. So the question is now, is Jesus the pilot, the driver in our lives? Because if there is no way, there can't be any truth. And I want to say that for Chantel and I, I'm getting hot and I have to undo my button. It is hot. It's a hot subject. I sweat for hours over these messages. This isn't just something I wake up and just, I really think these things through because I know how delicate they are. And I want to make sure that you're receiving it in love. But we cannot be just committed to speaking the truth. We've got to be committed to leading people to the truth. I think maybe where we've got it wrong in the past is we speak truth, but we don't lead people into truth. So this is actually a journey. He leads me beside still waters. I am the way. Before he's the truth, he's the way. So I understand, you know, we've touched on some stuff with gender and sexuality and abortion, some big hot topics. And I get it. We're all on this kind of trying to figure out stuff. But hey, why don't we go on a journey? Why don't we go on a journey together? find Jesus in this not to find soul churches take opinion all the let's find Jesus right in the center of these topics I think if we find Jesus we'll find freedom I think if we find Jesus we'll find answers I think if we find Jesus we'll find grace I think if we find Jesus we'll be able to face tomorrow I think if we just throw the truth book at people I think I'll just leave I think we just need to find Jesus and we're going to agree on some stuff and not on all this stuff and I get that as long as we agree on one thing Jesus is the way because if we agree that Jesus is the way eventually we're going to bump into truth I love what Romans 12 2 says it says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed soul church by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what that is good and acceptable will of God God is saying, if you have the courage, I have the power. I can transform every single area of your life. Our job is not to transform people, it's to point them to the way. Jesus does all the transformation. I think it's time to put on some handbrakes. I think it's time to make some decisions. We're going to be people who 
not just speak the truth, but lead people into truth, which means leading people to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and Jesus needs permission to be at the wheel. You've got to give him permission. As a society, we're driverless. No drivers, no direction. And it eventually leads to the devastation that we're seeing around the world. People's lives go over the edge. But today, I want to give you a decision to follow Jesus. I want to give you a decision to find him. It's your personal savior. Friend, he loves you. Maybe you've tried to, to do it your own way. And it leads to stress and strife and challenges and maybe you even feel like you've fallen over the edge but today you can come back because drifting ends with a decision it ends with a decision if you're saying today John John I've been coming to church for weeks months maybe this is your first time back since the pandemic maybe you've not been for years but you'd be brave enough to say I've been drifting a little bit like when I was swimming in the ocean I just have to cry out and say help God I need you trying to do life on my own and I've had so much loss and so much pain on the journey but today I'm making a decision I'm going to ask you for help would you come and jump in the driver's seat would you help steer the car would you take hold of my life would you forgive my sins would you give me a brand new start I'm tired of drifting today God I place my life in your hands from the front to the back, from the left to the right. No one's looking around. This is a private moment. If you're watching online, this is for you as well. But you're saying today, drifting, drifting ends with a decision. Today, I'm placing my life in your hands. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to slowly right now, just slip up your hand so I can see it. Just slip up nice and high. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. 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 Anyone else? Lift it up nice and high so I can see it. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. It's amazing. People make a decision. Jesus is the way that leads to truth, which leads to life. We're going to say this prayer out loud together, which is really your cry for help, my cry for help. This is where we make a decision to follow Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, to forgive all my sin and failures, so that I can have a brand new star. Please come into my life help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's congratulate everyone who said that prayer. We have a Bible for you. It's full of good news. It's full of grace. It's full of truth. Our team are going to be out there in the atrium, out there in the in the uh, foyers after the service, you can, they'll be holding them up in the air. So if you lifted up your hand or you said that prayer, uh, please let us know. If you said that prayer online, please let us know by just writing someone in the comments area and our team who are in the room will help you as well. So it's a great decision you made today. And I encourage you to come back next week and uh, keep pursuing God, keep pursuing the things of God. And well done. Want us just to have a real honest moment here today? You say two things. Number one is personally, I've been drifting. I'm not talking about you've drifted so far, but today you've realized that you may have drifted. Paul talks about coming back to your first love. 
when you first made that decision, when you were so passionate about God, so passionate about his house, now it's a, just a, it's a duty to be in church, it's a duty to even think about reading your Bible, but you've lost the delight. Today, I know it's hot, it's sweaty, and I just feel like today, we can stop the drift. If you can catch the drift today, we can stop it. You know, there was a time at the start of this year, it happened to me. I lost my drift. I ended up downstream and I had to get back. So it happens to all of us. That's why Paul said, we, we, we're all in this. We all can lose it from time to time. So if you're saying today, do you not, I want to get back, I'm drifting. Just, just slip up your hand. It could be any area of your life. It could be your marriage, your finances, your health. Anyway, you're drifting. I want to pray a prayer to help you, help you back towards safety. Father, there are so many hands, so many people, Father God, who are responding to the call today. And Father, we all get caught up in drift. We, we get caught up, we get distracted. We don't pay that full attention. And Father, we ask today that you'd give us the strength and the courage to turn back, to make those courageous decisions, to say no when we need to say no and yes where we need to say yes. Father, we would trust you, Father. We would place you in your rightful place, which is steering the ship, which is pulling us forward. We thank you that you go with us. I pray this week, Father God, we would catch the drift. We would turn around. We would move towards you, towards your word, towards prayer. Lord, I pray that Lord, our time with you would become a delight again, not just a duty. Father, if we're running, we would walk. We would un understand the unforced rhythms of grace in mercy. Father, I pray that we would fall in love with you again. In love with you again and again and again. In Jesus' name. Amen. I really want to pray for people who want to be truth trumpets in this city. People who are brave enough to stand for the truth. You know what a trumpet does? It makes a sound louder than any other instrument. That's why they made me play it. The trumpet goes above. I felt God say today that God needs some truth trumpets in the church. I'm not talking about shouting your mouth off on Facebook and judging people. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are prepared to have honest conversations, to go on journeys with people, to help people understand the love and the truth of Jesus. If you want to be a truth trumpet, my hand's up. I want to be a truth trumpet in the city. I don't want to be afraid of having difficult conversations, but I always want them to come out of my mouth with grace and love. But I don't want to shy away if someone comes to me and says, how do you feel about this issue? This is how I feel. This is what Jesus says. Now I want you to go away and I want you to think about your decision. I'm not going to force my opinion, but I want to show you what the Bible says. And you know, we're going to have to search for truth. We're going to have to search for it. We're going to have to study it, understand it. But I, I want to be a truth trumpet in this land. Who's joining me? Be a trumpet of truth. Waisha, well, God said to me in the service, you are going to be a trumpet of truth. A trumpet of truth. There are going to be people coming to you, searching and looking for it. And God is saying, I want you to go and study truth. Absolute truth. You're, God's going to elevate you. He's going to raise your platform. God's going to raise your influence. You're going to be known as a woman who stands for truth. And God's going to show you things in Scripture that no one's seen in the way that you've seen. You're going to be able to help so many of us, including me, on some of the current issues of the day. Because as I get older, we need younger people around us. And you are a trumpet of truth for your generation.
Father, I thank you for Waisha. Maybe some of you girls, just Paula, girls, Lydia, just grab a round of Caroline. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are raising up men and women that will bear the truth, trumpets of truth. Father God, loud but not crazy. Father God, loud but not disrespectful, Father God. Loud in compassion, loud in justice, Father God. Lord, I thank you that you've begun a good work in Waisha and you will be faithful to complete it. I thank you that you are raising her up as a truth bearer in her generation. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray all right in this room, everyone at home, I want you to lift your hands, both hands right now. I'm going to be a truth trumpet. We owe it to people. Father God, we pray right now. We pray for unusual wisdom. Father, as we face the dilemmas, the challenges of our times, and Father, as the things come at us, Father, we need your heart. I pray, Lord, we wouldn't quote scriptures, we'd speak Jesus. They would see the compassion and the heart of Jesus in all we say and in all we do. Lord, I pray, Father God, that you would lead people into all truth. And Father, I thank you that truth leads to life and life leads to freedom. So we pray right now for freedom over our schools. Freedom, Father God, over our city, Father God. Freedom, Father God, over laws, Father God, that hurt the unborn, Father God. Freedom, Father God, for those things that damage society. We speak freedom in the name of Jesus. I pray for a hedge of protection around our church as we are known as a church that stands for grace and leads people into truth. I have decided again to follow Jesus. There is no turning back from this day forward. Amen. Come on, let's catch the drift. There end of the lesson. We're followers of Jesus. We're not turning back. We're going to keep bringing grace and love and truth to this generation. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith@soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.